Jessica was a vibrant teen who enjoyed living life and making the fullest out of every moment. After she was found murdered, someone would confess to the crime. If someone confessed, then why did this turn into a 23-year-old cold case by 2020? Welcome to Sentenced. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kara. How are you? I'm tired as you're rubbing your eyes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am so, so tired lately. I wanted to take a nap today, but I was like, no, if I take a nap, then I'm not going to get anything done. I know. Same. I did the same exact thing. I actually, well, I woke up to take the dogs out and then I went back to bed and slept until like 1030, which is later than I've slept in years. And then I, well, I should say months. That's a little generous. <laughs> but <laughs> um, And then I was like, oh, I should watch. So I watched, I finished Love is Blind on Netflix. And then, but I like had to keep myself busy while I was watching it. Because I was like, if I don't do the dishes and clean up the kitchen and do this, then my, oh, my whole day is wasted since I slept yeah. in so late. <laughs> I don't sleep in anymore, which makes me really sad. Like today I slept in till about 730, but I'm really proud of myself because I've been getting up every morning and actually like making breakfast. So yesterday I made Robert and I French toast because we're off nice. on Saturdays. And then we got like the Kodiak protein pancake mix yesterday. And so I made um, waffles this morning, which were really good. So I'm just trying to stay productive, but it's really difficult because I'm just a tired bitch. But I can't sleep. Like, I just wake yeah. up, and then I can't go back to sleep. But I'm having, like, the wildest dreams right now, and they're so vivid. Like, I remember That's everything. Weird. Yeah. And then, so, like, Saturdays are, like, our chore day. So, like, Robert and I, like, go grocery shopping, um, do our laundry. Because, like, we don't have laundry in our apartment, so we have to carry it to the laundry room. So he, like, helps carry everything. Right. So Sundays would turn into, like... The laziest day ever, which has been really nice. And so I just get to relax. So now I'm just rewatching uh Lord of the Rings for like the millionth time. That's a good one. Because I'm That's a nerd. fun. Well, I decided to watch the extended versions. So oh. <laughs> I'm still on the fellowship. Uh, <laughs> which with the extended version, it takes it from being a three-hour movie to a four-hour movie. Okay. So it adds on, like, an hour of deleted scenes. And you could totally tell, like, which scenes weren't there before. Because yeah. I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> but, this is new. That's kind of fun. I mean, it's it's time-consuming, but it's, like, a fresh take on it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think I watch, like, I rewatch the Lord of the Ring movies probably once a year. Same thing with, like, Harry Potter and Scream and, like, mm-hmm. those sorts of movies. But I've never watched the extended version, so I've, like, challenged myself to do that. Because I just finished nice. watching Scream 1 through 5 so that when I can watch 6, I'm all refreshed and up to date. Yeah, that makes sense. Fun. I like those movies, though. Yeah, those are good. I love horror good. movies. Like Me too. We just watched um, What Lies Beneath, which is my favorite horror movie of all time. And AJ hadn't seen it. 
he hadn't seen it since he was eight years old. <laughs> Why like, is he watching horror movies at eight? <laughs> he wasn't supposed to. I guess his dad took him and his mom was like super pissed. But it was, was fun for me because then I got to like see him react to everything. Oh, okay. So I was like, I don't know what that movie is. But I literally like looked up the cast and I was like, oh, I know what that is. And then of yeah. course there's a picture of the bathtub, mm-hmm. which I'm like, oh, okay, that movie. This is the reason why every bathtub that I have now, I have to ha- be able to open it with my foot. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like mine. Like the drain. Yeah, so like yeah. my tub now has like a little lever. So all mm-hmm. you have to do is like push it down and it drains. So, like, I think about that all the time now because of that movie. Yeah. Um, my bathtub doesn't have that, but... And I've actually, in this bathtub, I've never tried to unclog it with my foot, but I usually do, so I'm going to do that later today when I take a bath. <laughs> just to make just, sure in case AJ ever, out. like, paralyzes you. <laughs> and you have feeling magically in your toes that you can unclog your drain. <laughs> I know. So iconic. Uh, it's a good movie though. I've only it's a seen really it. Good movie. I've literally only seen it once. It's just such a good cast. Like Harrison Ford, come on. I he's so handsome. Yeah. Even now, like I know he's I know. Old, but I know. him, like, and then Kevin Costner. Like, I'm kind of mad that he blew up all over again because of Yellowstone. But like, I've had the fattest crush on him since Waterworld, and so like, he just gets better looking with age. Do you watch Yellowstone? Robert watched it, so, like, I watched it in passing. I, it's okay. Oh, I like it. It's, Hot I think take. it's really good. For for where I live, though, everyone is, like, super into Yellowstone. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, Robert watched, like, all three. So, Yellowstone, yeah. 1883, and what is the other one? 1923? 1923, yeah. Or is it 1886 and 1923? I don't know. Well, there, it's, no, it's, you were right the first time. But he watched all of them, and so I just, like, watched them in passing, which, of course, Harrison Ford is in those, too, but... Right. He's so old now, but he's still, like, I mean, he's doing really well for his age, I feel like. Did you see, was it the Oscars where he presented, uh, he, I forget his name, Data from The Goonies with his Oscar, and he he gave him, like, the biggest hug? Mm-mm, I didn't see it. It was so cute. It is literally the first time they've seen each other in person, like, since they filmed Indiana Jones. Oh, my gosh. That's so cute. It was adorable. I was like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I saw pictures of it. Yes, yes, yes. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Adorable. So cute. Um, okay, anyway. Sorry, we're just talking about random. <laughs> it's okay. It's only been six minutes. Like, we're actually on track. Uh, just one more thing before we get started. I know last episode, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, where I said I was going to do a TikTok episode this time about, Mm -hmm. like, something related to TikTok. Um, I was going to report on the case of Renard Spivey, and he's the court show bailiff that was on, like, Christine's court or Christina's court, um, that murdered his wife. Ooh. And the connection to TikTok is there's, like, a clip of the show where... One of the, like, it's either the plaintiff or the defendant is, like, saying, like, that's a real man right there. That man, like, you know he pleases his wife, basically. But then, like, it turned out that he murdered his wife. And so I was going to cover that case. But, unfortunately, 
the information about him and the actual crime was really hard to find because everything oh, is okay. so mixed up with like the news reports and TikTok clips. So I just like I spent probably a good hour trying to like find solid information because I like to find information, you know, early life, what happened before the crime, during the crime and after, but I couldn't find anything. Okay. So if somebody has like a source they want us to use to try to find those things, it would be yeah. greatly appreciated. But um yeah, I just I spent too much time trying to find stuff. So I decided to um go to Alaska for Ooh, this week's okay. episode. <laughs> That's very cool. And I will say, too, that sometimes that happens. We think that we're going to do a case and we get all excited about it. But then when you go to do the research, it's just really kind of convoluted and it's hard to find concrete sources. And we don't want to give you any misinformation or bring anything to you that we're not confident in. And so I think that's I think I'm sure that's happened to both of us. So I forgive you. And <laughs> we're going to Alaska, which is very exciting because this bitch is going to Alaska in June. Really? I'm jealous. I want to go on a cruise to Alaska so bad. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're doing the whole Alaska cruise. So I'm very excited. I want to do the Disney Alaska cruise because it looks so much fun. That would be fun. I just want to go on a cruise. I've never been on a cruise. Cruises are fun, but before we get on another tangent, let's yeah. okay. circle back. So we will jump right into the episode uh, 10 minutes after recording, but that's okay. Jessica Baggin was born to parents George and Vicky on May 3rd, 1979 in Sitka, Alaska. Sitka was described as a picturesque town with a population of 8,439 in 1996. In comparison, the population in Sacramento in 1996 was 400,000. So, drastically different. What was the number again? 8,400. Okay. And Sacramento had 400,000. So, (laughs) yeah, not, not a town. Yeah, not a big city by any means. Sitka was also known to be very peaceful and had a very low crime rate. A joke news report went out stating that the only crimes that took place were a frozen teddy bear being thrown out the window or residents playing croquette too loudly after midnight. So, like, they were literally reporting that on the news. They were just like, eh, somebody threw a frozen teddy bear out the window. (laughs) That's a a big crime for this week. So, very peaceful place. Which, of course, always gets ruined um, by one asshole. Right. Jessica's family ran a shipping company and were described to be well-off. Jessica was just one of four girls and was said to be a, quote, spunky girl who didn't give up easily, unquote. Her family recalled a story of when her dog Sam went missing. She refused to give up the search, and weeks later, when her and her friend were setting up camp to continue the search, Sam, the dog, appeared and seemed tired and ready to come home. So for weeks, her and her friend were looking for her dog, and then her dog just happened to come home. So she oh my did gosh, not, she did not give up easily. On May fourth, nineteen ninety six, just one day after Jessica's seventeenth birthday, she was visiting her sister and a friend at her sister's house. Just after midnight, Jessica decided to walk home, which was only about a mile away. The next morning, her parents woke up and found that Jessica never made it home. Her father, George, reported her missing in the early morning hours of May 5th to the Sitka Police Department. So just shortly after they found her missing. Mm -hmm. Later that same day, he went back to the Sitka PD to confirm that she'd still not returned home and none of her friends or family had heard from her. 
On May 6th, Sitka PD mobilized the local search and rescue team and focused their efforts on the wooded area west of the Indian River, which was located between the campus of Sheldon Jackson College and Sawmill Creek Road. Shortly into their, their search, they found a shirt, which was later identified as belonging to Jessica, and was the same shirt she was wearing the night she disappeared. Uh-oh. Less than two hours later, Jessica's body was found across from the police training academy and only a few blocks from her home. Wow. Yeah, so not only was she just minutes away from home, she was also right next to the police training oh, academy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Jessica had been discarded and hastily buried under a log beneath the trunk of a hollowed-out tree. She had been sexually assaulted and asphyxiated. It's horrible. Just awful. And, it, like, it always sucks, like, for, like, murders to happen at all, but it's the day after her birthday. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's, like, I don't know. It's just something always hits harder, like, when it's, like, around somebody's birthday especially. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, that's your day. You're celebrating you and... Somebody just comes along Rob and you. it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The town was devastated by the loss of such a wonderful person, and more than 1,500 people turned out for a candlelight vigil in the park where her body was found. The crowd stood in silence for over an hour. The entire town was tense and in shock over the events, and all seemed lost. However, 10 days after her murder, Richard Bingham was charged for the crime. Richard was a local who lived on a boat and worked as a janitor. He had intellectual deficiencies, sorry, and was a heavy drinker. He was also highly suggestible. It was said that people in town would often tease him and tell him he committed crimes while he was drunk, and Richard would believe them. According to one, yeah, according to one story, he was told he had stolen a salmon from a fish processing business. So he turned up with the replacement salmon to make amends, only to find out he never stole anything. So he's just one of those people where, you know, if you tell him he did something, he's going to believe it. But that's because he would get so blackout drunk. Okay, I was going to say he was a blackout drinker. Yeah, so it's like he wouldn't remember. So if you told him he did something while he was drunk, he'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that happened. So not, not the greatest person to have commit or have confessed that they committed the crime so yeah that's i mean that's that's so bad for so many reasons i mean and it's like people i don't feel like people prank people really much anymore i mean they still do but to prank somebody and be like oh you committed a crime while you were drunk like come on but was it like pranking okay okay i see what you're saying because before, it was just, like, kind of funny, but in this situation, it might be that someone was using him as some sort of leverage, like, yeah, for their own benefit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. After Jessica's body was found, someone suggested to Richard that he had murdered her, and a few days later, he turned himself into police and even told them he was having disturbing dreams and flashbacks. So it's not only that he's believing what these people say, like, he is, like, he is, like, believing it if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. like he is like i mean it almost sounds like it's a guilty conscience like manifesting in a different way like he probably has some sort of guilt about his drinking and his other behaviors and so for him it's probably manifesting in the way that it's like i can't believe it's gotten so bad that i 
capable of this. I can say as an ex-problem drinker that there's a lot of guilt associated with that. And it's like, you, you kind of think like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that I'm capable of this. Like, could I possibly be capable of this? Well, yeah. And I think it's so like hard on his conscience that like, he's like his dreams and like having flashbacks, like he's just manipulating himself unintentionally Mm -hmm. to having flashbacks of something that never happened. Right. Because, I mean, like, if you think about something so often, like, eventually you'll probably dream about it. Mm -hmm. Like, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. And I hate it. Totally. It's, yeah, it's, your mind is a crazy thing and what it's capable of. When you start planting a seed in your mind, it's crazy, again, what manifests. Yeah, especially, like, at night when I'm laying in bed, I'll, like, I'll think of, like, a scary image that I saw, like, on a video or something. And then it's just, like, burned in my brain. Like, so when I close my eyes, that's what I see. Uh And so I have to, like, convince myself, like, it's not there. Just turn around. Like, turn over the other side of the pillow. Like, it'll go away. And I hate that. I do the same exact thing. Like, even as a 33-year-old person, like, sometimes I'll, like, look in the mirror and I'll be like... Bloody Mary. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my gosh. Bloody Mary gets me every time. We can't say it for a third time. But like anytime it's brought up, like even if I think about it in my head in the bathroom, I'm just like, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Like it's not going to happen, but like, uh, it still like gets well, to me. And I feel and like Candyman. I find, yeah. No, 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 no. I was going to say supernatural. I feel like I finally got to an age where I was like, oh, I'm past all this. And then there was that episode of Supernatural and I was just like, oh, damn it yeah no here we go again another 20 years of this crap (laughs) yeah no I don't think it'll ever go away like it sucks and I have mirrors everywhere so it's like I can't even if I hear somebody say it three Mm -hmm. times I'm like no I'm pausing it or muting it at the third one like I don't want to hear it for the third time you're at a restaurant and someone (laughs) orders it and you're like shut up you're like no there's a mirror (laughs) there's a mirror behind the bar we're so stupid anyways but it's true and it's like your brain will like flip things on you so fast like uh, I can go down such a rabbit hole about this like even hearing like people chanting in movies I don't want to hear it because I don't know if it's a real chant and it's demonic or something like I don't want to hear it so I'll like mute it Totally. And my husband knows it now. So like anytime we're watching something and it like they start chanting or they start saying a prayer, sometimes like even prayers, like you can say the Lord's prayer, but if you change it at all, like I'm going to have a problem with it because like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're conjuring. Right. So like, we'll skip through it. And then I'll say like a little prayer in my head because like, I'm so like paranoid. Yeah, I'm but I, pretty superstitious myself, so I can, I get and it. And see, I'm not superstitious. Like, I'm like black cats. I'm totally fine with walking under ladders. I don't care. Opening an umbrella inside. Like, I don't believe in that stuff. I think part of it is, like, the OCD that I have. Mm-hmm. Because it's borderline, like, paranoia with certain things. Okay, it's I like, get that. Where it's like, oh, if you don't do this thing, then this bad thing's going to happen. You know I get I mean? that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, I do too. I do too. And like, I used to be like, like I, I used to have like good underwear. And if I would like <laughs> wear underwear on that day, I would have a good day. But then like, if all I, I had like this purple pair of underwear for like years and I always had a bad day when I wore those underwear. Just throw the underwear away. <laughs> I don't know why. Like that's the clear, like the logical response is to just get rid of the underwear. But I had them for, like, five years, and I don't know why I kept them. They You're were like, really oh, cute. This but... bad day happened because of this underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, 
People don't talk about how long you hang on to underwear for. I have some old underwear that's like still <laughs> fine. <laughs> but that's a little much. I'm glad I don't do that, thankfully. But yeah. I do have to like hang a certain pair of pants on a specific hanger every single time. I don't know I why. I get it. It's just all my other hangers are the same except for this one hanger. And then that one pair of pants is always what ends up on that hanger. That's really funny. Anyway tangent over for now. (laughs) So Richard's lawyer, Galen Payne, later said in court, quote, he went to the police to get help to see if he had done this thing. He trusted the police, unquote. So the police obviously wanted to interrogate Richard. So during his interrogation, the investigators used the read technique. And then just a little background on what the read technique is. Um, the Reed technique was developed in the 1950s by John E. Reed, a polygraph expert and former Chicago police officer. The technique is known for creating a high pressure environment for the interviewee, followed by sympathy and understanding, but only if the confession is forthcoming. Supporters of the Reed technique say it's useful in extracting information from unwilling suspects, but critics say that it results in a high rate of false confessions, especially from minors and the mentally impaired. So basically, it's like quid pro quo, where you scratch my back, we'll scratch yours, like, you tell us you did this thing, you'll get a lesser crime kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then it that's that just seems kind of risky, too. Yeah, well, and that's why they're saying, like, it's mostly on minors and the mentally impaired that you'll get a false confession from. Okay, because, like, they're just so scared that they're just like, well, fuck, I'm going to go to jail anyways yeah, because so it's they like, have me. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to confess to this thing just because I don't want to go to prison for 50 years, but I'll go to prison for 25 years just to get a lesser sentence. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it either. That's why it's very controversial. And I don't think they use it anymore. Like, I don't think it's a technique that most officers still practice with, but I could be wrong. Richard ultimately confessed to killing Jessica and would go on to spend 13 months in jail. He was originally kept in solitary, but once they moved him to general population, he was targeted by other inmates because he murdered a minor and sexually assaulted a minor, according to his confession. So, mm-hmm. as we know, in prison, in jail, you, yep. you are target number one. Yeah, bottom of the totem pole there. Exactly. Richard would later tell reporters that those 13 months were the worst part of his life. At the trial for Richard Bingham, Payne, his lawyer, brought in an expert in false confessions and played the video of Richard's police interrogation. The expert agreed that his confession had components of a false confession. There was also a witness from the state crime lab that testified the DNA found on Jessica did not match Richard's. And lastly, three witnesses testified that Richard was with them drinking beers during the time the crime was committed. Oh my gosh. Okay, well... Okay, shouldn't they test the DNA regardless if they have a confession right off the bat or not? Right. You think they would have done all this first and been like, you know what, Richard, we've had run-ins with you before. Like, I don't think you did. And that's the thing. It's like, he this isn't his first time. Like, he's known to kind of do these things and confess to things that he didn't do. So you think that the police would be like, it's Richard. Like, do we really think that he did it? Come like, on, Richard. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, let's get the evidence first. Like, DNA doesn't match. Three witnesses saying he was there. And what like, year was this again? I'm sorry. Uh, 96. Okay, 96. So it's we, we weren't quite where we are with DNA today, but we were still somewhere. They still yeah. have the means. Exactly. Okay. The jury thankfully realized that Richard, despite confessing to the crime, was not guilty. 
One juror later told the media, quote, I sweated it the last week that I was the only one who saw it that way, unquote. It took the jury just two hours to acquit Richard on all charges. Hmm. So at least they weren't just like, oh, well, because you know how some jurors, like, they're like, oh, well, you confessed, so you did it. Like, thankfully, you know, they took the the time and, like, realized, well, I mean, it was only two hours, but they realized that, like, just because he confessed doesn't mean that, that everything else lines up. Right. It's not an absolute. Exactly. Richard's lawyer drove him straight to the airport after the trial, fearing he would be attacked if he went home. Richard started a new life in Washington State, which is where he's living to this day. Do we know if he ever, just out of my own curiosity, do we know if he ever, like, got help for his alcoholism or anything? Um, I believe he is dealing with, like, some, like, health issues now. I don't know if he ever sought treatment for alcoholism or anything. But I do have, like, a small update later. I just can't remember exactly right now what it is. Okay. I'll wait. Um, Although the trial for Richard was over, Sitka police still had to solve the murder of Jessica. Rewind to March 1996, just two months before Jessica's murder. A tearful 18-year-old girl, who remains anonymous, reported to police that a local mechanic, Steve Branch, had sexually assaulted her. Steve Branch wouldn't be arrested for this crime until June 1996, a month after Jessica's murder. Oh, wow. So he was in custody a month after her murder, and they never even thought to look at him? No. So two months before she was murdered, this girl accuses him of assaulting her. Mm -hmm. And then three months later, a month after Jessica's been murdered, they're like, oh, we should arrest him now. What? Yeah. Because she told the police about it in March, and Jessica was murdered in May. May. They arrested him in June. Ugh. So If they would have just taken... Oh, wow. So if they would have arrested him and kept him in custody, Mm -hmm. this may have never happened. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Steve Branch was born August 13th, 1953, so he is unfortunately a Leo, like some other men that we know. Um, and was said to enjoy the outdoors, hunting, and fishing. One of the only pictures I can find of him is of him holding a set of antlers like a trophy. Unfortunately, this was about all I can find on the guy. Mm. Um, his family seems to remain out of the media due to the crimes he was accused of. Can't blame them. Yeah, so I could not find any updates on, like, his childhood or anything like that. Okay. In 1997, the same year Richard was on trial, Steve went on trial for the sexual assault. He claimed the encounter with the girl was consensual and was ultimately acquitted. Which, side note, every sexual assault perpetrator claims the encounter was consensual. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every single time. They're like, no, yeah. no, no, she was asking for it. No. I guarantee you, sir, that this 18-year-old girl was not asking for it from you. How, and she had probably just turned 18, too. 18 is still so Yeah, so she's young. a baby. And how old was he? 53, so he would have been, like, 40-something at the time. Gross. Yeah, he's a sleazeball. Um, Steve Branch was never a suspect in Jessica's assault and murder. Wow. Yeah. Even after trial, after everything, they never even thought about him. After, <sighs> after Richard's trial, Jessica's family hired a retired New York police detective, John Beza, to investigate the case. Sadly, Beza was unable to solve the crime. 
More than 100 potential suspects were cleared through DNA comparison and the trail went cold. In 2007, 11 years after the murder, the original Sitka police officer that investigated the killing was now the lieutenant overseeing the Alaska State Troopers Cold Case Investigation Unit, or CCIU. With this, the investigative efforts into Jessica's murder were renewed. Um, Every retired officer seems to have that one case that they can't let go that just haunts them. This case was mine, said now-retired Lieutenant Dave Tugman. I walked into the captain's office with the file, and I told him we had to take on Jessica's case. In September 2018, so again, 11 years later, CCIU and Sitka PD decided to try a new genetic genealogy technique on the case, which we love genealogy coming Mm -hmm. through for these cold cases. Right. After reviewing the DNA evidence in the case, the State of Alaska Scientific Crime Detection Laboratory determined there was sufficient DNA from evidence collected from the original investigation to generate a single nucleotide polymorphism, or SNP, profile. The suspect DNA was submitted to Parabon Nanolabs a few weeks later. Those are some really difficult words. Yeah, good job. (laughs) In February 2019, a an SNP DNA profile was developed and uploaded into public genealogy databases. By the end of the year, after months of genealogical research, a new suspect emerged, Steve Branch. Investigators established that Branch lived in Sitka at the time of Jessica's murder. Surprise, surprise. Mm. I hate people. I hate and when he this was- stuff happens. He never got arrested, right? Because he was acquitted of that sexual assault. So he was just out there living his life. Yeah. Okay. Branch, now 66, moved from Sitka to Arkansas in 2010 and took up permanent residency. In January 2020, the CCIU reached out to the Arkansas State Police, ASP, and requested assistance. For weeks, ASP unsuccessfully attempted to obtain a discarded DNA sample from Branch. In the spring of 2020, Sitka PD was able to obtain a discarded DNA sample from a relative of Branch. Hmm. Kinship DNA analysis completed in May of 2020 determined that Steve Branch was most likely the source of the suspect DNA found on Jessica's clothing and body. In early August, investigators from the Alaska Bureau of Investigation, ABI, there's so many abbreviations, sorry, uh, traveled to Arkansas. On August 3rd, 2020, investigators made a preliminary contact with Branch at his residence to question him and obtain a DNA sample in order to positively confirm he was the source of the suspect DNA. Branch denied any involvement in the homicide case and refused to voluntarily provide a DNA sample, of course. Yeah. They never they never go willingly. No. Investigators left the residence to apply for a search warrant, as well as interview other witnesses who also lived in Arkansas. The plan was to to secure a DNA sample directly from Branch after getting the search warrant and to take Branch into custody following a positive DNA match. However, approximately a half hour after the investigators departed, Branch shot himself. (gasps) Which, I'm so sorry. I don't know why all my cases lately have been, like, suicides, <laughs> but that's just kind of how it's shaken out. So Caitlin, I, the show's called Sentenced. I know, but I mean, like, he, we know he did it. Right. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, and it's like, I don't find out these things sometimes until I'm like halfway through my episode. And then I'm right. like, and I'm like, shit, here's another one. So <laughs> that's okay. That's just, <laughs> never mind. I was going to make a really morbid joke, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. The Loanoke County Sheriff's Office investigated the incident and uncovered overwhelming evidence that Branch took his own life. Investigators were still able to obtain a DNA sample from Steve Branch's autopsy, and it was a match to the DNA found at the crime scene. Wow. So even after all that, they still were able to match his DNA because now they have his body and they can do whatever they want with it. Although Branch will never go to trial for the murder and assault of Jessica, at least her family finally has the peace of mind they deserve as to who took Jessica from their lives. Jeez, that's so crazy. It, it is crazy, and it's, like, it's all because of genealogy. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if you would have just held on to him and, like, put two and two together, and honestly, like, he wouldn't have, she wouldn't even be gone if they would have just arrested him sooner. But then I it know. probably would have been somebody else. Because I feel like True. once you get to that point in your mind that you're mm-hmm. going to kill somebody and assault them, like, you're going to do it. Right. Well, yeah, because there were no repercussions the first time he did it. He got away with it. So he now he's like, not only is he going to do it again, but he's going to take it to that next level because he got away with it the first time. It's like when you're a kid and you're testing your parents to see how much you can get away with. Yeah. And they don't do anything. Like, you're going to keep going. Exactly. And I don't know, like, the frustrating part is, like, we don't know how it happened. I'm assuming she was a victim of opportunity where mm-hmm. he was driving by, saw her walking, probably tried to approach her and was like, oh, do you need a ride home? And she was like, no. And then when she refused, that's probably when he decided to attack her. So I'm I'm just assuming that's probably what happened. I right. have no idea. And then him hastily burying her is probably because he panicked. Right, and we'll never know, unfortunately. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, we'll never know, but at the same time, it's like, we don't know if he harmed anybody else after her. Like, he was on the run for 23 years. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I don't know if there were any victims after her. I'm sure. And maybe not even murder, but just, like, assaults. Like, I don't know. We'll never know. That's so horrible. Yeah. That's really jarring to think of. Richard Bingham was interviewed after the case was solved and said that the case still really upsets him. His lawyer, Galen Payne, was really upset and disappointed to learn that Branch was never considered a suspect. Richard still lives in Washington, but is now battling multiple sclerosis and has lost an eye due to diabetes. Oh, no. He has never returned to Sitka. Mm. Back in Sitka, another candlelight vigil was held for Jessica once the murder was solved. Oh, my gosh. So, that is my case this week. I know it's a little bit shorter once everything is said and done. It'll probably be about 35 minutes, but... (sighs) Well, sometimes we need a shorter case. I know we've had some longer ones, and I know we were also um, gone last week, you guys. I apologize for not having an episode out last week between Caitlin and myself. It's just, we have our full-time jobs, and, you know, we have a lot going on. Um, outside this podcast. I wish we could dedicate more time to it, but we just right now are doing it as a hobby. So it's kind of difficult to be able to set time aside when our, you know, regular adult lives are so busy. Yeah, which is always hard. Like we have a hard time even finding time to record with each other because we have so much going on. So 
Um, we apologize for missing last week, but we're still here. We're still making mm-hmm. the episodes. We're still enjoying this. So yeah. um, we hope you guys keep listening and make sure to go follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, and Patreon at SentencePod. And you can send us an email at sentencepod at gmail.com. Um, is that it? Yeah, I, <laughs> I feel like it. I haven't done this in so long. I know. <laughs> Bear with us while we try to find our footing yet again. Yeah, and our brains. They're missing Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) It's gone. But make sure you give us a a thumbs up, five-star review on whatever source you're listening to us on. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.